Don't go down the rabbit hole. It's my advice to you. Leave that to the professionals, but talk about these things to your friends. Spread this podcast around. Inspire people to be aware this shit goes on. But please, I'm asking you, don't go down that rabbit hole unless you're doing it with a team of you who you've got support of each other. Be aware, understand it happens, but please take care of yourself. Don't be going down these rabbit holes for no reason, just for general knowledge. It's not worth it. I'm going to choose my battles here. I'm not going to run into a battle and say I can help you because I don't know where you've come from. I don't know where you're going to, but I know where I've come from and I know where I'm going to. And right now, the Working Class Heroes podcast is where I'm at. And it's yeah. through this microphone and speaking to guys, my friends like Simon and many others you're going to meet. Um, soon you'll be speaking to a woman called Leslie. She's a doctor, she's a clinical psychiatrist. She helped me big time in Iraq Um getting over a kidnapping um, situation and she's been part of my family advising me to help and my wife to help us navigate through many traumas and she's going to be like like Simon a wealth of knowledge and how to sort of maybe that's the one who'll find the solution here Simon she might she might be the key there you know what I mean or other people right but it's, it's about me giving you an opportunity to speak to my friends or listen to my friends listen to me speak to my friends that I think that's my sword these days I feel like I've got something to offer the world but it's not necessarily with me my opinions it's me with my conversations with my friends that hopefully will enlighten you now I want to now talk because again we we could mean you could go on and talk for days couldn't we this, this could be yeah. like the Denny and the Denny and Simon Chronicles for the rest of your life. We we'll just keep on talking, <laughs> but I want to talk about your books. Right, these are the most important thing in your life, and and the, and the most fascinating thing that I, I mean, I, there are a lot of things I'm fascinated about you, Simon. But your writing, your ability to write, you're you're a brilliant, beautiful writer. You can articulate things and put take take your mind into different scenarios and leave me there and thinking about them for years, but. You have links to 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 Simon's books and everything about Simon um, in the description box. But Simon, I've got a question. I've never asked it to you, you know, before. But is of all the books you've written, of all the writing you've ever done, which one brings you most passion? Damn, it's like saying which of your children. Uh... Yeah, well, <laughs> it's, it, it's but, but at the end of the day, look at what we've just spoke about all the time. Let me sort of put it into where I'm coming from. There's so much to you that, that you know, there's so much to learn from you. There's so much information that you have inside mm -hmm. that that mind. You've studied so much from warrior spirit to military tactics to command and leadership to psychology to all sorts of crazy shit, right? But I think I, I think maybe um subject for another day i think it's is valid to know where this stuff comes from you know because even even beethoven you know he was stone deaf when he wrote his music and he was quoted as saying all i have to do is write it down you know so he believed that he was being gifted this from an entity which he perceived was god you know because there's no part of our brain where stuff that hasn't been created yet exists Right. So as if it just comes out of you, it comes through you yeah. and we don't know where it comes from. No one knows that you can speak to any artist, you know, they see in their mind a painting and they know when to stop because what's on the canvas looks like what's in their head. You know, a, a musician, you know, you're a musician, you, you know, where does this, where, where do the, the nine notes that bounce around and then create a form out of those nine notes. Where does that come from? 
it comes from some form of, of inspiration. Now, whether you want to call it God or whether you want to call it something else, I mean, I have my own opinion of it. And at some point I, I will go through that story you know, and you know that story. You know, I am able through some bizarre situation to be able to create really, really well. You, you're talking to a kid who, who, who flunked English at school, right? So now okay. I've got 20 books done. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I was a bad student. I was out of school. I was in the military at that stage, um, you know, but now I've written 20 books. I've got 28 books yet to write. Um, I, you know, I work 12 hours a day at the present time, changing my books into screenplays. So in answer to your question, because I think this is worthy of a, another podcast, because I, I, I know that every book in them and I can bring that out in them now because yeah happened to me as a kid i'm able to tap into the superconscious, which is where all this i believe where all this comes from and not only do i believe it, i can demonstrate it because i've got the proof you know so in answer to your question which is my favorite child it's the child that is evolving the most right so as you know i wrote who dares for success my first ever book that came through yeah. in a very weird way the second book only took me a month to write courage conquers all things but it was only when i wrote order of the nephilim and it used to be the order of the nephilim and you know it was an english australian version and that is, that is now a living book so i'm rewriting that as we speak i did a refresh of that in 2017 changed the cover changed the title as i'm going through the screenplay and turning this into a series and we just found out yesterday looks like we got funding okay so this will be a streaming series a la game of thrones two million dollars an episode you know we've i've already created pretty much the first season so we've done the pilot and we've done the first four episodes as i'm writing that and and i'm i'm becoming evolved as a writer i look back at what i wrote back in 2012 and you've got to remember i was predicting in 2012 the pandemic the rise of isis yeah state all the stuff that we've only really has been in our lexicon for no, the last it's, it's a fascinating book yeah yeah but if you were to read it now it's a different story from a different lens with a lot more character development before it was me like going i know all this stuff about about um conspiracies and i throw it all in everyone's going to understand think all these conspiracies together because they do but i was leaving out the character elements of it and without without characters involved in the story you've got no story all you've got is a whole bunch of bullet points so so where where did because as an author i'm like okay hold on a minute we do have to do another podcast just solely on the writing of books and how Mm -hmm. you do it but you're talking about i thought the order of nethlin was amazing right and because of my conspiracy theory intrigue i was able to look at what was being said in the book (laughs) Hold on a minute. Well, I think we were actually. I think one time we, me and Lisa, we read the book. We were driving up and down. We were driving from Brisbane to the Gold Coast every day. So while I was reading, while I was driving, Lisa was reading it out loud. So <laughs> that's the best way for me to learn because I, you know, as you know, reading for me, I don't retain the information. If I listen to it, I can fucking remember what tell you what page it was on. And she was doing it, and I was like, "Oh, stop, stop, Google that," you know. Denver Airport, what's it there? Fuck. You know, oh, do that again. <laughs> Google that. And every single thing you were talking about was all like properly. You, yeah. could, you could research every single thing to go, wow. The- and that's what I want to do because people will do that if you tell them a story. Yeah. You know, 
if you do all the work for them and say this is this this is that and all that type of stuff then at that at the end of the day all that becomes then is a textbook and people don't like textbooks because they did it at school but it's overwhelming it's overwhelming when you take all this true facts and conspiracy theories that became fact right like you say it used to be two years but now it's like two months or even, even two weeks you know but when you take all this in when you go down that rabbit hole of right just let me jump in and you know the story but just for the guys here because we have, I haven't spoken about this when I was coming back from Iraq my last operation in Iraq was to just oversee um, convoys going up and down Iraq and, and there was Iraqis doing the convoys doing the security doing the signals doing the radio operators and everything else all I had to do was be there just in case they had an incident and I could then go to the different um, coalition provisional authorities military and organise QRFs and all that sort of stuff right so my job was boring and the guy that I was doing the job, replacing the job, standing in for, had, had like hundreds of DVDs. Back in the day, DVDs, you open up a DVD, put a DVD. But my computer only had so many regions. And because I've been working in Baghdad, the UK and Australia, all my regions in my computer were done. And this guy, no, I wasn't in the UK. I was only American and British. And there were five regions. I'd used them all. And this guy was British. So I was playing all these British DVDs for his British computer. And none of them, not one of them, worked. And I was, I was, I went through every one of them, hundreds of them, tried them all on my computer, and none popped up. I was like, fuck. And uh, anyway, I saw there's one stuck behind this little, um, little slot at the back there, you know. And, and I went, oh, there's one there. What's that? And it was, um, it was nine eleven, and it was basically the firemen, the police, the, the military, and all these different things going. The narrative doesn't seem to match. The, the facts there was but there was explosions underneath there was explosions up through the, the the buildings there was explosions there was massive explosions there was work being done weeks before and these areas in the building were cordoned off you couldn't go in there there was um reports of things going nefarious things the computer um the, the whole security system had been down all the weekend there was no security in the 9-11 from saturday sunday and then monday the security i think came back on mm -hmm. so the whole weekend before there was there was no security they could walk into anyone's office that was it was it was insecure and i was like what the fuck are you kidding me and this was in the last three month tour of me doing five years in iraq so i come back from iraq having heard that then started researching stuff and then started watching other videos then so i come back now at that point before that point i'm a hundred percent into helping the government hundred percent believing in the government hundred percent believing in the monarchs hundred percent in the system i'm in the matrix i am happy to be your soldier I read that, I didn't realise, but I was now coming outside of that matrix. I was now coming outside of that way of thinking. And my mind was changing, my mind was open. I was questioning, I was inquisitive. I was like a reporter who's just come out of university or a journalist who's come out of university. I was so curious. I was like curious about everything. And I think I meet Simon maybe six or seven months into that journey, maybe maybe a year into that journey. And I meet Simon, and Simon's written his book, Order of Nephilim, and Order of Nephilim were like, everything i'd read and everything i've been researching he's wrote actually a novel about it and it was just all like hold on a minute man this guy is all over it mate you know and and you've always been all over it that's why i wanted this conversation with you about this particular subject it started with the sound of the freedom it started we needed to go in and talk about what we've done what we've done in the past i know we didn't go into our operations and i'm glad we didn't because it was i wanted to sort of say we've got experience in it, but I didn't want to delve into our own personal experiences and how deep you have to go into that shit, how we trained the guys, what we did. We covered this really well. But 
I have to say, your knowledge in that which is unspoken, you're probably the only person in my my whole life I've met who have delved that deep into this. And I'm going to be honest and say, it's not as if you didn't get fucked over for it. Mm. Yeah. And, you know, th there is nothing in this world without consequences. You know, that's what the word means is a connected sequence of events. You know, you make one decision and that has a domino effect on other things. And for every, you know, as Einstein says, for every action, there's a, a corresponding and an equal action. Yeah. And, and, and you're going to get reactions to this podcast. Yeah. You're going to get people that go, way to go, guys, how can I help? And you're going to get people, this is full of shit, you know, you don't know what you're talking about, you know, all the elites are really nice people. <laughs> I used to agree. With a serious face. I, um, used to agree. I used to agree, but I think with independent media and with podcasts allowing the conversation to go a little bit to the left, a little bit to the right, it's just fair enough. Whatever it, this is why the world works at the moment. You would have thought that after hundreds of years of being able to educate people and our access to information now, you would have thought that we'd be breeding people and putting them out into society with a, a greater understanding, education, critical thinking. That is not the case. You know, people are now saying, oh, math is racist because, you know, different races seem to be better than, than us. You know, words of violence, you know, you got to be careful yeah. what you say. I got you know, it. So I got it with Black Lives Matter. Yeah. I remember Black Lives Matter, you know, when, when George Floyd thing went yeah. on and then um, people were saying Black Lives Matter, Black Lives Matter. And I agree. I was in America. I agree. It was absolutely outrageous how the blacks were being treated. It was. It is. And and, and it, it's pretty scary when you go in these black neighborhoods as a white guy. Just saying it was, you know, and that. But I can understand why that was going on. I can understand how police go too far. I can understand I was in the military. We were in Northern Ireland. I understand all of that, how all that comes after a long time doing the job. Yeah. You become bitter, you become twisted, you become too aggressive. I get that. And I was agreeing, black lives do matter and this should be taken care of. And I also said when I was in Iraq, why is it why is it why is Americans here telling these people how to work when they can't even sort their own countries out? And you know, and, and you know right. you're, you're, you're all of a sudden the universal police, but then you go to America and their fucking place is a mess. So I get that, and I get that people disagree with this and disagree with that. That's not the point. This is the Working Class Heroes podcast. This is not me as a rich, um, famous guy, very not rich, famous guy, talking to very rich, famous guys. You're not very rich anymore. I know you've been fucking hard. Probably the last four years, five years of your life has been the hardest of your fucking life, and you've yeah. done a lot of hard shit, and I'm not going to talk about that. Again, that's another thing we'll talk about some other time, and it's going to be a whole fucking podcast because the shit you've been through in the last few years, and we're talking shit, right, is unreal, and the fact that you keep on moving forward your books, you keep on writing more books, you keep on going now into screenplays and you keep on fucking meeting producers and directors and it's just amazing because I know you're three feet from gold. I know you're just about to become one of the most massive storytellers that the world's ever had. I've said this to you from the very beginning don't yeah. stop Simon, keep on going Simon, you've got this, I know it looks hard right now, I fucking wish I could send you fucking £10,000 but I got £150 in the bank. That's my <laughs> reality you know? but fucking mate, I know, I know it's going to work, I know you're going to do it but people will disagree with a lot of things we say, but I don't care because, as I said, this is a working class heroes podcast. And if the people who, who are in the working class are saying this fucking episode was full of shit, then I would say, I'm going to look and point my finger to you and say, you're hiding something because this is real. There was no lies here. Everything we talked about has been true. It's been from our own experience and what we've understood. 
And if you're one of those people that are going to go, oh, you had these idiots, blah, 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 I would say, well, okay, you all you've done is flag yourself as a problem and um, I'll be keeping my eye on you. Um, yeah. That's it. Because this- all you've got to do is, is when someone says any type of comment, what I have found by rule of thumb is the way to qualify that is to say who is being served by this comment. So when you bring out the thing of you know child sex slavery which has always been a thing historically like i say it's nothing new it happened when you come out and say this this is wrong you know that everyone is a scammer or this who is served by that yeah because that person has actually taken it upon themselves to react to a post why who's being served by that certainly not the kids which you know is actually happening so the only people that are served by it are the people that are actually the perpetrators. Agreed. And you can have no other, you can think no other way. And I and I urge you people who are listening to this and, and, and watching this and sort of saying, hmm, actually you're right. Because I tell you what, the people I know who are fucking pedophiles and who've been caught doing pedophiles and all that sort of stuff, they're gaslighters, man. And then, and, and they, oh no, it was him. He did it. No, no. That's... And they start panicking when you get close to them. That's a telltale sign that someone's doing something wrong. Yeah, yeah. So first of all, you've got to ask who is being served by this communication. That's the first thing. So then you find the motivation behind it, and usually the people behind it who are who are both who are most served by the dissent, most served by the confusion, uh, most served by the division. Okay, and divide and conquer is a a, a standard military practice. You yeah. Know? The other one is follow the money because yeah. invariably. No one in this world, very few people in this world, do do anything for nothing. There is always some agenda, um, whether it be making us feel good, whether it, it's it's to actually help others, you know, from a charitable point of view, or whether you're actually getting, you know, I'll, I'll put it in this way. So, so I used to be an agent handler. Okay, so one of the things you used to do as an agent handler is that if you were targeting a person that was going to work as an agent for you, you had to have um, the motivation, the access, point of contact. Those are the three things, right? So motivation, why is he going to help us? Access, what can he actually help us with? Point of contact, where do we find this guy, right? Now, after that, you then assess him, and he's going to be one of three people. He's actually going to be a mercenary, he's going to be an ideological, or he's going to be revengeful. So he's either doing it for the money, he's doing it because he believes in it, or he wants to get someone. There is only three motivations for someone to become an agent. And that's the same in in normal society. You know, people are either in it for the money, they're in it because they believe in it, or they want to get back at something because they've been hurt or they perceive that they've been hurt. And, And once you understand all of those six things, you understand everything about that person. And then people are incredibly predictable. Okay, so if you know which ones they are, you can then leverage that to get the best out of them. That's what I did. Mm-hmm. Okay, for literally for almost like 16 of, of my 20 years in that, you know, stuff, I was actually running agents in and out of terrorist organizations, espionage cells, you know, and then you know, pedophile rings and deep state and all this type of thing. So so human beings being the predictable animals that they are, as hunters. We understand how to get in touch with them now. And a good hunter won't run around chasing an antelope. 
they do their research. They find out what the antelope do on a daily basis. They know that at five o'clock, the antelope is going to seek water and he's going to go to a water hole. So the hunter just needs to sit down at the water hole and work out what he's going to do with the antelope. It's as simple as that, you know. Mm-hmm. And, and this is where we need to start looking at from, you know, the problem of, you know, pedophilia. You know, the people that, that are undertaking the crime of pedophilia, and I'm not talking about the the sickness of pedophilia, because it's two totally different things. Mm-hmm. Don't punish criminals in the same way as you 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 would punish the people that have that have like that dysphoria. You know, they it's not their fault. That doesn't mean you do nothing. You just gotta work on doing something in a different way to the people that know exactly what they're doing. Right, because you, you can't just take them with one big brush and go. We just need to get rid of all pedophiles. Right. So listen, if we get, if we get, no, well, hold on, because we're talking about sex, minor attracted persons right now, right? Let's say we have a couple of minor attracted persons watching right now. They know they're attracted to young children, whether it be girls or boys. We know that they've not taken action on that. They just are aware of this thought, right? Now, I'm going to play this two ways, right? Number one, what do we tell those guys to assure them that that's just a thought? And this is number two. I want to tell you a truthful story. I wouldn't say all my life because it's only really since I've been um, in war. And, and and especially when I had a sidearm on my, on my waist all the time. When I was going to sleep, I was a lot, I would think about a lot of things that I did and a lot of things that I'm guilty about and a lot of things that, I shouldn't have done, right? I'm not, not an innocent soldier. I'm not an innocent person. I've been in prison. It's not like I'm fucking trying to say I'm an angel here. But I used to sit with my Glock under my pillow. I lived out in, in Iraq. I didn't live in the green zone. I lived, you know, where I could possibly be attacked. So I had to have a weapon by my side most of the time, right? And Or I would have it by my side sometimes. But anyway, I used to go to sleep, and it was almost like the devil was fucking showing me how to kill myself, put the weapon to my head and pull the fucking trigger all the fucking time, right? All of the time. Now, I never actually, clearly, did that, but I did with the magazine off for a while, play with that, play with that. So I have a physical memory of me doing that. I actually put the fucking magazine on a couple of times. I have a physical memory of doing that. And I'm one one time cocked it and put it there and played with that little fucking trigger there, right? Just one time, just that one time, but I fucking had it in my head a long time, right? Did this, this a few times in my life, right? And then since then, I've fucking put it down. What the fuck, man? You fucking hell, you crazy, right? But every time I'm fucking stressed, every time I'm fucking stressed and feeling overwhelmed with shit, I close my eyes and I see myself, I feel myself doing this. But I don't fucking think about killing myself. I just realize i have to sometimes have to catch myself but i realize this is just a thought and it's not a thought that i'll ever take action on it's not a thought that i will ever kill myself in this manner or any other manner but it's a sign that i'm stressed but also it's a sign that you still have choice yeah that's the key here so as as a counselor i would say that that you're in control as long as your finger is on the trigger and no one else's finger is on the trigger, you're in control. Absolutely. And it's a definite choice. You have the choice to pull that trigger or you have the choice to put the weapon down. And I've been in exactly the same situation. Don't worry about it. You know, it's it's actually exercising that choice that is the important thing. It's when we don't have choice, we feel powerless. Yeah. So if you were to change the narrative in that and say, I had the absolute choice 
me, no one else, not society, not any outside you know, in, in, intervention, me sitting here in my bedroom, pistol to the head, chambered round. What are we going to do? You know, that is a choice that, that that God is giving you. So then the the only way to exercise that choice is to look at the consequences. So going back to where I think you were going with this, with the pedophiles. So so say, for instance, minor attracted person, whatever. So, you know, you've got a problem. So what are going to be the consequences? Yeah, let's just look at that from a critical thinking point of view. So you have a choice now of either to seek help or not to seek help. To, to take action on your instincts or not take action. Now, as you go forward, the, the more the dysphoria is, the less control you have over your actions. So you, at some point, you will either voluntary or involuntary take action on those instincts, which is now going to put you into a different category. You're now not just a money-attracted person dysphoria. You're now a criminal. You're now a sex offender. Two things are going to happen to you at that point. You're either going to get away with it and you're going to go through guilt for the rest of your life. Or everyone's going to know or someone's going to know. And they're either going to meet someone like a vigilante on a cold, dark night who's going to kill you because of what you've done. Or law enforcement are going to get hold of you and they're going to convict you and they're going to put you in jail. And you're not going to have a good time in jail. Trust me. You know, at that point, you're probably either going to get killed or abused yourself and you are not going to have any form of a, of a good time. So those are the consequences. Or the other consequence is that you go to a, a, a professional and say, I have a problem here and I need your help. Anyone who does that, I don't care how mentally deranged you are. If you ask for help in a professional manner, those people will do anything they will do to help you. And, and I know that there's been some pedophiles that will go, for God's sake, cut my balls off. Stop me feeling this way. I want chemical castration, you know, whatever it takes. There are a number of options that are available at that point, which means all the other consequences of you being murdered in an alley by a vigilante or being stabbed to death in the food hall of a prison or you just spending the rest of your life in four square walls, you know, you, you take away all of those consequences by seeking help. That is, that to me is the most powerful thing you can do as a, as a pedophile in this world, both for yourself and for the perpetrator and for the, the victims. And let me tell you this, I have worked with, as I said, I know at least 50 people and I'm just putting that number out there. It's probably more right. Who have been and some of them very, very close to me, right? Who say, and when those, when they were children, they didn't know what was going on. They didn't realize it was, a, it was a serious. They knew it was bad, but they didn't realize it was bad. But I tell you what, I've not met one person that wasn't fucking ruined from it. So, well, you're in your head saying, "Ah, oh, but they loved it. They didn't." No, no, you are making them feel confused. That they don't understand what's going on, and when they wake up and realize what happened, it might take a fucking couple of years. And you may have abused them for a couple of years. It might take five years. And you, and you think, no, no, we were in love. It was love. It's not love. Because when they wake up to what happened and they realize how violated they were, they're going to fucking hate you. And they're going to hate you for the rest of their life. So don't you fucking think because those innocent little people are, are going along with it 
that that's your fucking love, no. that's your job, or to give them that thrill, that's wrong. Every right. every single time that we we do something that we know is against our moral compass, it's a natural reaction for human beings to justify that behavior. Okay, so we only ever take action in this world and what we believe to be true at the time. Okay, so if you're starving, stealing a loaf of bread is no biggie. So a lot of these abusers will actually look at some form of justification because they know that they've just compromised their moral compass. And that's where you get the, well, she was asking for it or what? Well, well, it was her fault. She dressed that way. You know, what do you expect? You know, I was born this way or what do you expect? I was abused myself. So why shouldn't I go and abuse someone else? You know, that's my revenge. You see where we go back with this motivation. Yeah. Personary, ideological, revengeful. So identifying that you have an issue, no matter how heinous you've done, and, th and this goes all the way to most religions as well, you know, and it, it goes back to the whole prodigal son, goes into the whole thing of redemption, is that everybody, I believe, needs a, and, and requires a second chance. And they should be offered that second chance. If they don't take it, well, that's on them. But we should be conscious of the fact that some of these people are sick and out of control. Not taking action on that is the crime. Absolutely. But if they were to actually front up and say, here I am, I am flawed. Who isn't? Who isn't? I have done things I, I have regretted or have been legal or, or whatever whatever that may be but at the end of the day you have to look at yourself in the mirror and it's not about god either because god sometimes for a lot of people is a cop out you know or god will sort it out god well really why doesn't he sort this out in the first place you know there's a reason that that does not happen yeah. you live with it with you because the only judgment day you're going to get is when you go back through your life and not only see what you've done, but feel the consequences of your actions as well. That to me is the judgment because you are going to be your own worst critic. There's nothing, there's nothing that anyone can do to me that I haven't already done to myself time and time and time again. Yes. Yeah? So if I piss someone off, they will get back to me and they'll give me a hard time. That is nothing compared to what I do in, in my slumber time. Mm. You know, the time between for, trying to fall asleep. Oh, yeah. back to this. That, that goes back to that weapon, doesn't it? You know, it's the, it's the, it's the same yeah. person. I'm harder on myself than you can ever be on me. Believe me. That's, that's Believe exactly me. right. I'm going to round this up, mate, because I've I've got to go down. And I've got to train guys. Yeah. As you say, we could uh, we could go on for years on. No, this. but but I like this I angle. Interesting like, point. Yeah. yeah, but I like this angle because we've we've addressed if potential if you're a victim out there and you you need help, there's going to be help there for you. If yeah, yeah. if you are a perpetrator and you are thinking like this or you've taken action on this, you need to hear these. But we've just said there, and you're talking to two of two of the finest soldiers that's ever lived, as far as I'm concerned, right? So we're not saying. We're going to kill you. We're going to come after you. We're saying you need help and you need to do everything you can to get your help. And that means turn yourself over to the police. Turn yourself over to the police. You'll probably do those victims a big, big problem. If you're sitting there and you're a minor attracted person and you've not taken action yet, you need help. Go and get the help. But most well, importantly... One message to the potential vigilantes out there that, like you and I, got into this because we're angry. Yeah. You know, angry we want revenge we want to use our our skills to go and, and exact vengeance deadly with deadly force on these with motherfuckers. deadly force and that's something that you need to know exactly but 
also think about the consequences as well right because a you may be doing something really bad to someone that could actually be redeemed with you know with some form of help you're also placing yourself by one crime created another crime yeah, so but... now there's there's a potential consequence of you being prosecuted yeah for that but also the prosecution like we're talking about there simon it's not a prosecution you will end up being like me sitting there with the gun in your hand and yeah. that vision of you doing what you did right see when you kill someone let me tell you this man when you kill someone that shit doesn't go away it doesn't go it, away right it, it's, it's the, it stays with you it stays it's with you forever see when the fucking smell of their blood coming but, but, out but the, the worst thing and you know it. what i'm talking about here is the worst soldiers that i have found are the people that do that and like it they get yeah, off on it but you know what brother i can fucking tell you stories again right of people in iraq who i fucking know were murderous and i fucking saw it and i know they're murderous do you know where they are now suicide mate couldn't handle yep. the post-war. No, that's, I'm, that's what I, I mean. That's so, another so, fucking so, so you get to a situation where you exact revenge and you feel good about it. Look at how many Hollywood films there are about revenge. Man mm. loses his family. He goes and kills the whole mob. John Wick. You know, all of these, these films are revenge films. We love it. Spit on my grave. There are hundreds of them. Hundreds of them. Because it, it actually... Uh, panders to a human desire to try and balance the books. I'm going to bring, we started with The Sound of Freedom, I'm going to bring it back because it's a faith-based film, it's got Jim Caviezel in there who is obviously the pastor of Christ who's played Christ and if you um, I, I advise you all, go and watch Jordan Peterson um, Tim Ballard and um, Jim Caviezel, that interview is well worth watching, if you've not seen it Simon you've got to watch it right? I've um, seen clips yeah yeah, you've got to see the whole thing. It's, it's, it's well worth watching because you can listen to Jim talking about his experiences on the cross, right? He was on the cross during the Passion. I didn't know this, but he, his shoulders pulled out. He's got pneumonia. He gets struck with lightning. He said open heart yeah, surgery twice because of that movie. So this guy, he, you know, it wasn't like he played a part and that was that. There was a lot of things happening in Jim's life during and after, and the same as after he did Sound of Freedom. He says he didn't sleep for two years afterwards because, like me and Simon know, once that's in your fucking head, it's hard to get out. Once you realise that there's people who've got that much evil in them, it's hard for you to fucking realise that there's any point in life again. So be careful with when you go down these rabbit holes. I wanted to do a podcast so you could maybe grab what me and Simon are saying, turn it off, be aware of it. Don't go down the rabbit hole. It's my advice to you. Leave that to the professionals, but talk about these things to your friends. Spread this this podcast around. Inspire people to be aware this shit goes on. But please, I'm asking you, don't go down that rabbit hole unless you're doing it with a team of you who you've got support of each other. If you're on your house and your house doing this on your own, I do not advise going down these rabbit holes. Yeah. Be aware, understand it happens. But please take care of yourself, right? We spoke there to the, the predators there and we spoke to the victims, but to the rest of us who are not victims and we're not predators, be careful. Don't be going down these rabbit holes for no reason, just for general knowledge. It's not worth it. I'm going to end it there. Simon Trezellian. I'm not going to big smiles at the end of this one because it's one of those podcasts that doesn't, I hate seeing fucking politicians smiling at the end of their meetings when they're talking about people's deaths and all that. So I'm going to keep it quite straight. Brother, thank you for everything you are in my life. Thank you for sharing this really weird podcast with me to get this message across. And um, we will see you for part four when we'll really get into books, writing books and how you get about that, brother. Thank you. Absolutely, brother. Look after yourself. Take care. Cheers, uh -huh. mate. Bye-bye.
All right, Simon, let's start at the beginning. You were born, and then what happened? Well, like anyone, I was born at a very early age. <laughs> and my mother was part of a, a secret military program, a, a naval program. She was actually one of the, well, she was the first uh, naval aeronautics uh, engineers. There are many psyops. I mean, I've been involved in many of them. So yeah, we'll talk so about I understand, them. you know, you are going to have these foils um, coming near you know, to critique these things. The truth is never going to be quite as you perceive it. And sometimes the truth is stranger than fiction, literally. Um, and that, that is certainly true with my story. So when I saw this coming yesterday and I knew that this interview was coming on, I thought, oh my God, well, my story sounds way out of whack. Um, but now you've got this guy. I'm going Doesn't to sound so out of whack. Yeah. <laughs> I'm good, you know. Um, yeah, mine thing seems quite bland com compared to that. 